Lord, thank you. Thank you for this year. And uh, I know that for many of us, it has been quite a year and a year that's we're not so certain that we even want to thank you for <laughs> in many ways. But God, we are thankful for the things that we know that you have done that have been good and, and places that you've been working in our hearts and our minds and our souls. You are the, the one who is on the throne and there is no question in our hearts and minds that you will lead us through the, the difficult times, the difficult seasons that happen in our lives. And Lord, today as we spend some time celebrating the way that you've carried us through this year and, and these past several years as a church community, Lord, we're, we want to say thank you. We want to come with hearts full of gratitude and thanksgiving, remembering all the goodness that you have brought into our lives. Lord, we thank you for the spiritual growth that we've experienced. We, we thank you for the transformation that we've experienced in our own lives personally. We thank you for the, the family and friends that we have in this community of people. God, we know that this is a rarity. This is not something that everybody has and everybody can experience. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you found us and that you've drawn us into this community of believers. And we pray, Lord, as we think about this year ahead, that you would continue to expand the work that you have done among us. That you would strengthen us and encourage us and grow us in whatever ways that you want us to grow. We love you and we thank you for this day. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. So, as I was, I was thinking about this year and, and reflecting a little bit, um, I did realize that there's a, a couple ways that you guys might have different perspectives on what this year has been like. For some of you, a year like this didn't change a whole lot of things. You might have a job where you work from home and you've always had a job where you work from home. You might not have kids that have school life disrupted. Uh, but still, even for you, the, the most secluded of us all, you recognize there's been a lot that's happened. For others of you, on the far other end of that, you're like, my whole world got turned upside down over this past year. I'm always around people, and I'm always in community with people, and my job is where I'm around people, and in close proximity. I think of some of our teachers. Goodness, teachers have been seriously disrupted over the past year. Basically learned a whole new job for a year, and then are thrown back into what they're supposed to do. I mean, there's been a lot of heavy things that have happened. But... Even though it feels like in some ways that we lost a year, we haven't. We've still been moving forward and we still are moving forward. And as I said, God is still on the throne. Sometimes we need to be reminded that as a, a church. And, and he is. He's still on the throne. He's still in control. And he is going to continue to lead us. And what I want us to do today is celebrate him. We're here to celebrate the work that God has done. We're not just celebrating an organization. We're not certainly not celebrating me or the leadership of the church. We're here to celebrate what God has done. All right, so even if this is your first Sunday here and you're like, I don't know anything about this church. This is kind of weird. It's like showing up at somebody's wedding that you don't know the people, you know. You're, well, be a wedding crasher and just enjoy this with us, okay? Um, we're glad to have you here. And today what I want to do is look at a passage in the Bible that reminds us of who God is and what he's capable of. All right? And that's always important. And, 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 and many of the, the negative things that we've seen in our culture over the past year and a half 
has really been rooted in fear and insecurity that's been exposed through the pandemic. Let's face it, if you are a news watcher, news reader, um, or even if you have conversations with just coworkers and neighbors, you realize, man, this world feels funky <laughs> this year. Things feel out of, out of sorts, out of control. There's been a lot of difficult things, and a lot of those things are tied to fear because we know that fear-filled people often do desperate and sometimes destructive things. But sadly, Christians as a group haven't done any better through this year than, than those that don't know the Lord. And that shouldn't be the case. That's not the way it should be. And, and, and unfortunately, the, the, the weakness and kind of confused faith of a lot of self-professed Christians has been exposed, and many people, Christians, have lost sight of the hope that we have in God. And that's what we want to talk about here today. But here's what I want you to realize. With all of the new ground that has been explored over this past year, you have to understand that this is not the first time in the history of the world where even God's people feel a little hopeless. All right? And we're going to look at a passage of scripture here from a very, very long time ago where God's people had come to a spot of hopelessness. We're going to look at an Old Testament prophet here today by the name of Ezekiel. Anybody heard of that Old Testament prophet? He's one of the major prophets. Okay, And the reason they call him a major prophet is just because his book is long in the Bible. It doesn't mean that the majors and the minors, it's not like baseball. It's just that he's major because his book is big, all right? He had a lot of things that God gave him to speak to the people. And that's what we're going to see here today. Ezekiel was a prophet, and he was also a priest. And he was a prophet that was exiled to Babylon in 597 B.C., all right? 597 B.C., we're talking a very, 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 very long time ago about 2,600 years ago. And uh, this was 11 years before Jerusalem fell in 586, which was something that Ezekiel had prophesied years earlier, by the way. But here's the thing about these prophets. A lot of times when you go to a prophet in the Bible, you start reading it and start thinking, oh my goodness, prophets, they're like doom and gloom. It's like, how are we going to read on a prophet when it's a day we're supposed to celebrate? And that's accurate. Because a lot of the things that God spoke through his prophets were doom and gloom sorts of messages. A lot of times it was God having to tell his people, you're sinning, you're living in ways that I've told you not to live, here comes judgment. And he would do that through a prophet. And so a prophet would show up on the scene and say, this is what's going on, this is what you've done, and God says he's going to have to punish you, he's going to have to chastise you. That's a lot of what you read in the prophets. So if you're feeling a little depressed this afternoon, don't go read a prophet most of the time. Instead, there's other parts of scripture that are a little more encouraging, right? But still, there's truth to be spoken through these prophets. And this passage that we're going to look at is one of the kind of out-of-character prophecies for Ezekiel. Because when Ezekiel got this, he's like, finally, God's given me something good to speak to these people. This is a word of hope and encouragement, something that they can hold on to and be happy about. And as we're going to find out here, the reason God gave Ezekiel this prophecy is because people were in a really bad place already, <laughs> and they needed to be lifted up, okay? So even though he usually would have heavy words of judgment, here he has words of hope. And of the people 
that, that Ezekiel brought this message to, historically, were living in a period of instability. There was economic uncertainty, there was cultural decline, and there was political upheaval. Sound familiar? Okay. These words of hope, though, are what we're going to focus on here today. So if you've got a Bible with you, and if it's in your phone or whatever it is, open your Bible up to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37. And, and, and just so you know, I'm always going to point you back to your Bible. So I want you to be comfortable with these Bibles. If it's a paper Bible that you have in your hand like I do today, great. Underline, mark it up, know where these things are. If it's digital, that's good too. I just want you comfortable with navigating and finding your own place in the Word because that is important for our, our health and our life and our growth. And in Ezekiel 37, I'll give you a second because like I said, it's an Old Testament prophet. Sometimes they're hard to find. In Ezekiel 37, what we're going to find here is a picture of the spiritual condition of these people without hope. All right, they've got all these things happening in life around them that's bringing them down, the economy, the politics, the weird stuff happening. But what about their spiritual lives? Where, where are they there? And, and that's what we're going to see here. There's this picture of the spiritual condition of these people. And the picture that we see is that Ezekiel is speaking from God. They're dead. The people are spiritually dead they're disjointed and dismembered in a spiritual sense. They're not just weak. They're not just sick or injured. They don't just have some pandemic raging around them. They're dead. In fact, the only thing that's left of these people is bones. And that's what we find in Ezekiel 37. These bones that are being bleached by the raw heat of the sun in a dry desert valley. All right, so we're going to read 14 verses in Ezekiel 37 here. Are you ready? Ezekiel 37, verse 1 says this. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied there was a sound and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to its bone. And I looked and behold there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me, 
son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore, prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you up, raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Amen. What an incredible image that God gave Ezekiel to illustrate what he can do even with death itself. We sometimes forget, even as Christians, we sometimes forget where we come from. We forget the origin of life. We get so consumed with the craziness around us that we forget the fact that, the, that even our existence is a miraculous supernatural work of the Almighty. The fact that you and I can even be together and live on this earth is because of the sovereign work of God. That's why we are here. He is the origin of life. And from a purely human perspective, there is no chance of human life coming out of these bones. When Ezekiel shows up in this valley, it's kind of freaky, kind of, you know, spooky. God shows him, brings him to this place in this vision, and he looks around, and there's bones everywhere. And these bones are big bones. And he recognizes these are human bones, and I'm walking around this valley full of all these. This is weird. This is not something that, that you're thinking about life. And even today, with our most ambitious you know, cloning methods or with our, our most, uh, our, our, our best science with DNA replication. We could not restore the life that was once embodied and remains like that. Without the breath of life, a body is just a body. A person is more than a, a bag of molecules or a complex organic compound. We're soul and body. We've been inter intricately designed by our creator and given the breath of life. And so in verse 3, God asks Ezekiel a question. It's the first act that we see here in this passage. God asks. And he says to Ezekiel, hey Ezekiel, here you are in my fine hot desert valley with all these bones. Can these bones live? Can they live? Quite a question. And as I said, even with modern marvels in the medicine that we have. We couldn't go from a dry bone to a human being. Even, even further from the idea was it, was it in the time of Ezekiel, 2,500 years ago. But Ezekiel, he's a smart prophet. He's been around long, long enough with God that he doesn't immediately say, well, no. <laughs> like we might say, he's like, I'm talking to God. I'm seeing these bones. This is a trick question. So his answer to God is, well, uh, you know the answer to that one, God. I'm just a messenger. <laughs> I just say what you tell me to say. I don't have any idea. I'm definitely not a, uh, an MD here. And so he responds there in that way. 
But Ezekiel knew to expect the unexpected. And, and know that the impossible is possible when you're having a conversation with the Almighty. And that question sets it up for the other things that we're going to see in here. Because that's the same question that we have to ask ourselves often. Okay, is this possible? Is it possible? Can this place of brokenness, can this place of death be restored? Oftentimes, our own answer for our own lives is no. We can't fix this. It's gotten too deep. It's gotten too bad. It's too messed up. For those of you who follow some of the things happening in our society right, right now, you've probably had those moments of hopelessness where you're like, I don't know how this is going to get fixed. <laughs> is it even possible? Okay, but the thing you've got to remember is if you keep God in the equation, even the impossible is possible. And so then after that in verse 4, after he asks that question, God moves. And what he says is he actually gives Ezekiel a, a word from him. He says, hear the word of the Lord. And we have to remember that when God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, things happen. When Ezekiel obeyed, things happen just as God said they would. Bones become bodies. What happens when, when, when God speaks this? All these bones scattered out I mean, it's an image. It's a pretty graphic image, but it's an image of like an army dying on a battlefield. And, and over time, all that's left are these bones all over the place. But all of a sudden, he says, he starts hearing this rattling. Okay? And, and you start seeing all these bones start dragging around the ground, and they're coming back together, back to where they were supposed to be. And they're fitting together perfectly the way that they're supposed to. And, and as this happens, these bones become bodies. Now, when I reflect over the past five years of our church being a church coming into existence, I recognize that South Point is, is a similar kind of a thing. Honestly, guys, five years ago, what God saw was the bones of a church scattered here and there. We had no idea of, of that this could occur. But God did. He saw it and he drew them together to create a body. And, and I'm not saying, oh, we're so special. God does this all the time. <laughs> this is what God does. It's, he, he, he creates life from nothing. And as we learned in 1 Peter, which we just finished 2 Peter last week, but when we were in 1 Peter, we learned that every Christian is a living stone that God uses to build spiritual houses. And the Bible also describes it for us as that we are the body of Christ. Right? In 1 Corinthians, it'll be on the screen here for you, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 13, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, you have different parts, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of one spirit. That's what makes the body of Christ. The body of Christ is made up of people. You are the church. We together are what makes the church. 
And when he says, and not only are we one body, but we all have the same spirit, the one spirit, that's where this passage goes as well. Um, in Ezekiel 37 verse 10, the next, the next thing that we see, after we see God ask the question, and then we see God move, then we see that God breathes. The body isn't truly alive until God breathes upon it and gives it life. Jesus said that's exactly why he even came to this earth. Jesus said over and over that he was the source of life. In John 10.10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Later in John 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus says, I'm the one that breathes life. You are my body. The church is the body of Christ and he is the life in it. His spirit is what gives a body life. And when we think about a church, a group of us, we have to recognize the only way it lives, the only way it thrives, the only way it's doing what it's supposed to do is by God breathing life into it. It's God's hand that brings a church into existence. He alone is the originator of life. And anything that has good spiritual impact is from him. So that's what we're celebrating when we come together on a day like today. We're celebrating that God has been at work among us. You may not see it when you look at your own life. Because it's really hard to see something that's really close to you. All right, for, for anybody who has myopia problems with their eye doctor and they're like, okay, you need some glasses to fix this because <laughs> it's all you can see is way up close. You can't see what's going on around you. And when that changes, when they put the right glasses on, you're like, oh, this is what everybody else sees in the world, <laughs> right? It, this, is, this is what we're talking about. And, and sometimes when we look at ourselves, we say, I don't know if God's been at work. I don't know if I'm on his path. I, don't, I, I can't hear him. I can't see him. I'm in a hard place. I don't know. But then you back up a little bit and you start saying, wait a minute. I start seeing God's hand at work around me and in bigger, the bigger picture. And that's what we have seen here. And then God gives us an explanation here in verses 11 to 14. God explains. That's the next thing that we see here. The vision that he gave to Ezekiel was to represent the spiritual condition of his people. God says, listen, Ezekiel, I want to paint this really vivid thing for you. I want you to feel this. I want you to understand what's taking place here. These people are bones. They've claimed it themselves. They say here um, in verse 11, they said, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. The people of Israel were devastated. Life had not gone as planned. And they had abandoned their faith that God was with them. They couldn't figure it out. They couldn't solve their problems. They're just like, it's, it's over. It's done. I, this is the end. That's where they were at. But what God says here is he says, no, no, no. I'm not satisfied to let you stay there. Instead, he initiated his plan to resurrect them, to bring them from death to life. He would open their graves and raise them up, he says. He is the origin of life. Resurrection has been one of God's themes from the very beginning. 
And isn't that the same condition that we find today? For a lot of people around us, this year has been an awful year. And it's a year that people say it's a nightmare I want to wake up from. But I don't know what to do. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm hopeless. And hopefully that's not the case with, with you in our church. But even many Christians have given up their hope. They have a fear that God's abandoned them. But we know that that's not what's happened. He is one that brings life from death. And he wants to remind us today that he is the Lord. The origin of life. And he will do what he's spoken. Ezekiel found himself in that place, you know, when, he, when God asked him that question, can they live? And the, the correct answer was what Ezekiel gave him. Lord, you know, you know. But what do we see throughout God's word over and over again is that God says, well, I've already given you this answer. When you ask that question, is it hopeless? Is this the end? Is this, am I alone? God, time and time again in scripture says, no, you're not alone. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will be with you all the way to the end. You may not feel that way right now, but that's the way it is. Deuteronomy 31.8, it says, it is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. And in verse 14, back in Ezekiel, that's exactly what he said to his people, and that's what he says to us. Listen to this. He says, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Church, body of Christ, God has not abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. He loves you. And when we know that he is the Lord and that we are his people, that's where we start finding direction for our lives individually and as a church. We are God's people. One more verse here for you in 1 Peter 2.10. It says, once you were not a people, once we were not a church, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You are God's people. He is going to work among you. Let me ask this question, and this is kind of a crazy question for a pastor to ask because it's risky, but I'm going to do it anyway. Have any of you experienced spiritual growth because of this church in your life? Any of you? I see a few, there's a few of us at least. Guess what? If that has happened, then we know God's been at work among us because spiritual work requires spiritual power. And the only source of spiritual power is God. It's a recognition that he's moving among us. He is the one that will give us life and a place and knowledge of him. And that identity and truth then guides us into the future. The church, being the living body of Christ, is to be Jesus. Walking and talking and working and living in our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplaces. And, and for those of you connected to this church community... You have experienced that presence in this past year and a half with the pandemic. I was talking to um, one member of our church who said, I don't know what I would have done through that year if it hadn't been for my church family. That's, that's a big statement. That's a heavy statement. But it was her connection to these people that, that brought joy and peace in the middle of a really hard place. Those sorts of things are indicators of God at work. We're people of hope. 
We are a chosen people. God has given us life that we might experience that abundant life in him and also bring that life to others. So as we finish here today and we think about this, what I want you to take from here is that God sees you. No matter how dead or dry you might feel, God sees you. And if you are his and he is your God, he can bring life from the death around you. We are people that always, always, always have hope. Don't be hopeless, ever. You don't, you don't need to be, he's here for you. And not only that, because we have that hope and we recognize the fact that we're surrounded in a world that has lost hope, we can be people that bring that hope to them. And that's what we're called to. We're called to anchor ourselves in the fact that he is our God and we are his people. And we are called to then go out and share that good news to all those around us. And so I want to challenge you to invest yourself in the work that God is doing. Connect yourself to this community of people. If you look around and you're like, oh, nobody knows me. I'm not sure if there's a place for me. I promise there's a place for you. We want you in this community, community to be part of us. And that's a work that God is doing among us. So uh, my, my real prayer for us is that God would use us in the future to bring hope that is only found in him to the world around us. And uh, as we wrap up here today, I'm going to ask uh, Kevin to come up. Kevin's one of the elders of our church. I'm going to ask him just to pray for us and pray over us as a church. That, that God would do that very thing. That he would use us. Guys, when you look around here, this is a live community of people. There's a lot of potential and ability right here among us to do great things for the kingdom. And if we would step out in the places that God leads us, he will meet us there and, and he will guide us through that. And we can bring hope and life to people. So Kevin, come on up here, grab one of these mics, and I want to just have you pray over us. And as a church, let's just ask that God would breathe new life into us. Amen? Amen. Everybody, would you join me? Lord, uh, it's a blessing, and I, I love this metaphor for us this morning, Lord, that as Ezekiel looked out over a field of, of bones and he didn't see, Lord, I, I know that as we felt your leading and your spirit guiding us and, and you leading us as a church or to be a church that, that we saw those same kind of bones, we didn't understand, Lord, but you did. And so we're just so thankful we're so thankful to take this moment to reflect, but Lord, we don't want to be just reflecting. We want to look forward because the work that's been done has been awesome, Lord, but your kingdom is not one, a stagnant one. We don't desire this church to be a museum to the works that you've done, Lord, but we desire it to be a movement forward. And so, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would continue to go before us. It would continue to breathe life into bones, Lord, that need life, that need skin, that need sinew, that, that vision that you've given us in the scripture this morning. And Lord, also I pray that people wouldn't be discouraged if they felt like they had life and then that life feels tired, it feels drawn out, Lord, because that is also what you called us to be as a church, to be a place of refuge, of strength, of hope, Lord. And we just pray that our body would find that here, Lord, that whether or not people raised their hands, they were comfortable doing that, that there truly would have been life, that they've had life poured into them, Lord, and not just for the sake of, of waking up and feeling full of life, but for the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, we love you. We love you. We thank you. We're so thankful for 
the gift of your son, for the sacrifice that you lovingly gave when we certainly didn't deserve it, Lord. And, and it wasn't just enough that we, you wanted us just to be alive, but you wanted us to thrive, as we thought, as we think from even last week, Lord, that you desired us to thrive on this work, on this earth. And, and part of that is growing in your love and in your grace, Lord, and advancing your kingdom forward. So, Lord, we just pray that you would continue to go before us, that you would guide us, that, Lord, in another five, another ten, another twenty years, whoever many years you have for us as a body, Lord, and, and many more beyond that, that we would look back and we would say, Lord, you have always been faithful, that you've always guided us, and even when we didn't see, when we didn't feel we had the strength, and we didn't feel that we had the, the might or the vision, that you were always there before us and ahead of us, Lord. We thank you, and we praise you, and we love you. In the precious name of Jesus, amen.